Today on In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag. Is it actually possible, doable, to live sexually pure, especially as a man in this day and age? Is that even possible? Yes, it is. I can stand before you today as God is my witness and declare to you that I am tasting from the cup of joy that comes from the victory walking in purity. And I want you to taste from that cup too. It is possible. I can testify that it is possible. You're listening to In Spirit and Truth, the radio ministry of Pastor J.D. Barag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. is currently teaching through the book of Ephesians. The world has normalized sexual immorality. It's not only acceptable at large in our society, but it has become expected. In today's message, Pastor J.D. will encourage us to allow God to keep us pure in the midst of this darkness. It is possible, and God longs for us to live in the joy that comes with His purity. Now, be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of today's broadcast. Subscribe to the In Spirit and Truth podcast or download the In Spirit and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. Now, here's Pastor J.D. in Ephesians chapter 5 with part 2 of his message, Sexual Purity is Possible. What was in me came out of me. Now, I'm supposed to have, and I do pray this, and God knows my heart. I pray this every day on a Thursday night before I'm, uh, as I'm driving here for a midweek Bible study, and then also on Sunday morning uh, when I'm uh, driving here. I always pray, God, give me patience and love for your people. Not that it's hard to love you or be patient with you, but I just want, I just want God to give me patience because I'm impatient. Okay. And so are you too. So let's, you know, be honest here. And I just ask God to give me patience and love for his people. So when somebody bumps me or irritates me or tailgates me, What comes out of me should be that which is already in my heart. It should be love and patience and long-suffering and meekness. And you know the whole list, right? The fruit of the Holy Spirit. That's what Jesus is saying. And herein lies the key to the how, if I can say it that way. So again, please be patient with me and hang in there with me. Here's the question that's before us today. How? How is it possible? Maybe I could uh, rephrase the question this way. Is it actually possible, doable, to live sexually pure, especially as a man in this day and age? Is that even possible? Yes, it is. I can stand before you today as God is my witness and declare to you that I am tasting from the cup of joy that comes from the victory walking in purity. And I want you to taste from that cup too. It is possible. I can testify that it is possible. How? Okay. I believe the answer is found in what Paul says at the end of verse 4. And you could almost miss it. It's, it's, 
kind of just there and even subtle. But notice that he says, instead of what comes out of your mouth being filthy and foul and vile and sexual and awful, it should be thanksgiving instead. What does that mean? Oh, wait. Remember what Paul wrote about earlier? When I'm the recipient of God's forgiveness and love, then I will respond in kind. Jesus said it this way. When you love me like that, because I first loved you, then your response will be to obey me. This is why it is, by the way, that Paul listed in grand and glorious detail all that God has done in the first three chapters of the Ephesian uh, epistle. And the last three chapters are our response to all that God has done. It's the response of the heart. When I truly understand just how much I have been forgiven of, I will love much because I've been forgiven of much. And when I love that much, then my response to that much love will be this forgiveness and this love. And from that comes my obedience. It's my response. Let me say it this way. A life of purity comes by way of my response to all that God has done for me in that I love him because he first loved me. That's the result. My obedience. And it's not that I have to, it's that I want to. I'm loved that much. God God loves me that much and has forgiven me that much? Yes. We have a problem. And that problem is that for most, this Christian experience seems not only unattainable, but unsustainable. And I'll explain what I mean by that. There are those times that as Christians, one can still fall to sexual temptation and sin. Now, it's not a sin to be tempted. It's a sin, James says, when you're enticed and you give in to that temptation. And when that happens, the enemy is allowed to build this infrastructure of guilt and condemnation. I love that song. There is therefore now no condemnation. That's Romans 8.1. And that's a game changer. That changes everything. Because Satan will come in with this guilt and this crushing condemnation which just drives us further into sin. Here's the truth. We will never 
this side of heaven be sinless. However, we will sin less. Let me say that again. Not a play on words. Maybe it is a little bit, but you get the point. We're never going to be sinless this side of heaven. Impossible. However, we can sin less this side of heaven. Listen to what the Apostle John wrote in his first epistle, chapter 1, verses 8 through 10. He says, if we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, listen, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And then verse 10 is the key. Please listen very carefully. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar. And here it is. His word is not in us. Key. Listen to what David wrote in Psalm 119, verse 11. Your word I have hidden in my heart, my heart, that I might not sin against you. Did you catch that? Guard your heart, for out of it flow the issues of life. Thy word, O Lord, have I hidden in my heart, written indelibly on the tablet of my heart, that I might not sin against you. Why? Because what's in my heart is your word. I'm not going to be sinless, but I will sin less, because your word is in my heart. Romans 6, verse 14. This is why, and I'll even throw Romans 8, 1 in there. This is why there is therefore now no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. Because the one who was sinless, perfectly sinless, came and became sin for us. And there is therefore now no condemnation. For those that are in Christ Jesus. This is so important because Satan uses that condemnation to keep you under the law of death. This is also why it is that Romans 6.14 says, For sin shall no longer be your master. Or as another translation renders it, Sin shall no longer have dominion over you. It shall not dominate your life. It will, sin will no, habitual sin will no longer, can no longer be your master. And you no longer its slave. That's what he's saying. But watch this. Here's why. Because you are not under the law, but under grace. Oh. I want to close with the best explanation that I've ever read concerning Romans 6.14. It's written by Roy Hessian in his book, Forgotten Factors. He says, if we are to experience sin not having dominion over us, we shall have to know truly what it is to be living under grace and not under law. 
If the dominion of sin over us is its power to condemn us, and it is, then the holy law of God only adds to that power. In that condition of despair, we have little motivation but to commit further sin. Oh my goodness, I've already blown it. What's the point? To understand then the true nature of the dominion of sin and what are the devil's intentions in it is the first step into freedom. We are now ready to hear the message of grace. The grace of God is the love of God in action toward those who deserve nothing and can do nothing. Calvary shows us we are loved by God as we are, unconditionally, without strings. There, Jesus died not only for sin, but to sin. This is how Romans 6.10 puts it. In that he died, he died unto sin once. What does that mean? It does not mean that he died to sin's solicitations. He was never alive to them. But that in paying our debt in his blood, he died to sin's power to condemn him any longer. And therefore God raised him from the dead. Listen. But... If at that cross sin lost its power to condemn our substitute, it has also lost its power to condemn all those whose substitute he became. Listen very carefully. I want to uh, insert something here parenthetically. It's not the temptation of sin that no longer dominates or masters us. It's the guilt and the condemnation. No longer do I have to be dominated by, crushed by, mastered by the condemnation and the guilt of that sin. Don't you realize you're playing right into the devil's hands? That's why he tempted you to sin in the first place. So that if he could get you to sin, then he can build this infrastructure. I'm sorry if I'm spitting on everybody in the front row. Free baptism today, no extra charge. But don't you see that's what his whole strategy is? That's his whole tactic. He he wants to get us to sin because as soon as we do, there it is. Now I can crush them and dominate them and master them with condemnation and guilt. And we just buy it hook, line, and sinker. Don't we? The, the utter shame I can't believe I did that again. Oh God, oh wretched man that I am. You think for a second that God is in heaven going, I can't believe you did. You told me you would never do it again. I've had it up to here with you. No. (laughs) That is what the enemy wants you to to think. Because every time you think that way, he just takes another two by four and he starts hammering in and uh, and building on this infrastructure of guilt and condemnation. Here's the thing that I'm learning in my 
relationship with the Lord. Condemnation, and this is a litmus test, by the way. Condemnation drives you away from God. Conviction draws you near to God. The Holy Spirit never condemns. The Holy Spirit convicts. Conviction is good. Condemnation, bad. Let me say it again. (laughs) Conviction, good. Condemnation, bad. Very bad. Very, very bad. (laughs) Because Satan can use that condemnation to drive you further into despair. And what's our response, by the way? I'm just speaking very candidly, very openly. Maybe it's going to, you know, be uncomfortable, but it's a good uncomfortable. <laughs> um, here, here's how it works. So we sin. <clears throat> we hate ourselves. And then there's kind of like this, as Hessian puts it, this hangover of shame and guilt and condemnation. I blew it. Now... <laughs> It must not be possible for me to ever walk in victory in this area. I mean, maybe others can, but I I just must be a, a dirty, rotten, horrible, stinking sinner. And then if we come to church, you know, like today, I'm not going to, Make sure, make sure I don't look at anybody in particular, but we come in. We did not have a good week last week. And we're sitting there, and ah, during the worship, we're trying to, you know, praise the Lord. And here's the enemy right there, the accuser of the brethren. You, what are you doing? That, that presupposes that you even came to church because he he will try to keep you from I wouldn't, I wouldn't go to church if I were you after what you did. Are you kidding me? So you, you do come to church and, you, and you're sitting there and, you know, here's sister so-and-so over here and brother so-and-so over here. And, you know, they're, they're raising their hand and go, you know, and you're, just, you're just looking at them going, why can't I walk in victory like that? What is it about me? I... I, I, so we put on this facade, right? We, we figure, man, we, I, I can't let anybody know. Oh, my goodness. Nobody could ever find out. And by the way, that too plays right into the enemy's hand. You know, uh, cockroaches love darkness. That was a poor illustration, but whatever. You know, you... you Pick something up and all these cockroaches go scurrying away. You, you get the point? When you bring it to, into the light and expose it, it goes away. Here's what Roy Hessian is saying. We are not condemned because Jesus, as our substitute, broke that power on the cross. And if he broke that on the cross, then it loses its power, its dominion, its mastery to condemn all those whose substitute Jesus became. Now listen, if each one of them now returns to the cross in confession, they make, they may all reckon on this fact 
lose their burden of guilt, and step into freedom. By the way, that's why it's so hard. Satan's right there, isn't he? Hey, listen, I, I wouldn't ask for forgiveness again. Again? You did it again. I, would, I wouldn't. God's not going to free you. You're going to have to wait a little while on this one, this time. And then, by the way, time does absolutely nothing, does it? In fact, it, it makes it worse. Because you keep carrying it with you, that weight, the crushing weight of that condemnation. And it drives you further and further and further away from the very one who can take that away from you. We need but get to the cross as quickly as we possibly can. Hessian says, if we take a long time to do that, we will be a long time under the dominion of sin. But the moment we humble ourselves and confess it all, we are forgiven, cleansed, set free from guilt, and declared right with God. The foundation of guilt on which Satan built his superstructure is removed by God himself. The superstructure itself comes tumbling down, and I love this, the one imprisoned within it is set free. The only thing that stands in between you and freedom and victory and purity in this area is going to the cross and getting there as quickly as you possibly can. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to not only forgive us, that's instantaneous. It's already paid for in full, there for the asking. He not only forgives us, and it's instant, by the way. Listen, that's the 81st time you did that this week. (laughs) So we got to probably take about two months on this one before you can be, you know, forgiven. No. It's instant. It's instant. And then he also cleanses, purifies, purity. And it's there for the asking. And please know that Satan will do everything and stop at nothing to keep you from going to him at the cross, where forgiveness awaits and condemnation goes away because he already took care of that. Thanks for being part of our time here today on In Spirit and Truth. We hope you've learned something new from the book of Ephesians and that it's given a new perspective to you on your relationship with Jesus. We'd love to stay connected with you throughout the week, so be sure to visit InSpiritAndTruthRadio.com today. Follow the link to our Facebook page where you can join the conversation and fill your news feed with encouragement and useful information. We'd love to see you here in person at Calvary Chapel Kaneohe if you're in the area. We hold services every Sunday at 8.30 and 10.45 a.m. or come by on Thursday at 7 p.m. for an in-depth Bible study. Directions can be found on our website in spiritandtruthradio.com as well as more information about who we are as a body of believers. 
If you can't join us in person, we hope you'll find a local church community soon that you can call home. Now, we also want to let you know that you can still hear Pastor J.D.'s teachings through our online resources at InSpiritAndTruthRadio.com. Simply click Listen on the top of the page to find these messages by Pastor J.D. in various books of the Bible. Along with that, we invite you to check out the Mideast Prophecy Update. This weekly update is a focused look at current events through the lens of prophecy. Join Pastor J.D. each Friday and Saturday for the Mideast Prophecy Update on our YouTube channel or download our mobile app to have these updates right at your fingertips. Find it all at InSpiritAndTruthRadio.com. Pastor J.D. will have much more to share next time on In Spirit and Truth. Holy me to